Our scripture today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, what a gift it is to be in your house this morning, to be gathered in fellowship, to sing your praises, led by the children. Lord, we give thanks. And Lord, you know how each of us arrive to this place today. You know the things that tend to pull our attention from you. So I just ask, God, that your spirit would help us to settle in. That your spirit would soften our hearts and open our ears so we could hear from you fresh and new this morning. Lord, we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So as the middle child in a family with five children, I'm no stranger to competition. My parents have fielded the question, who is your favorite, too many times to count. So we've all tried to navigate our way to the top. And now my oldest sister is a doctor, and she affectionately refers to the rest of us as not the doctors. My mom, like a good mom, tries to defend me and says, well, you're not the pastor. Bless her heart. We both know that doesn't have the same tune. It doesn't ring the same. So my dad, on the other hand, he's figured it out. If you ask my dad, who is your favorite, he will always answer, the dog. <laughs> the dog died 10 years ago. The dog didn't cost him college tuition. So this isn't an issue reserved for siblings, though, is it? We all compete to be greater in one way or another, from what car we drive and the clothes we wear, to our titles at work or the zip codes we live in. We place ourselves and others in a pecking order, sometimes overtly, but most of the time, quietly in our minds. After all, we're good church-going Christians, right? Now today's passage from Matthew's Gospel opens up with the disciples asking Jesus this question. And unlike Matthew, Mark and Luke give us a little more context. Like siblings, the disciples are actually arguing about who is the greatest. So they turn to Jesus and, and ask, tell us about God's kingdom. Who is the greatest there? And now I imagine Jesus may have sighed to himself. They still don't get it. In a culture where greatness is defined by birth, 
by power, military, victory, political office, and wealth, Jesus shows the disciples a different way. He's already explained twice about the suffering and death that awaits him in Jerusalem. He taught them that following him entails denying themselves and picking up their cross, but they still don't get it. So patiently, Jesus takes a deep breath and then calls for a child to join them. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this would have made the disciples pause. What? A child? Why would I want to become a child? Rather than pointing to a successful king or a, or a conqueror as an example of greatness, Jesus surprises everyone. He turns to the margins. At this time in history, men were at the top, then women, and then children. They were the lowly and the least. They have no status, no rights, no voice, no title, no stuff. They're incredibly vulnerable and insignificant, and yet, Jesus says, become like them. Experts say the best way to child-proof a house is to get on the floor. You simply can't see what children see until you look from their level. You need to get on the floor to change your view, and that's what Jesus invites us to do this morning. We're invited to look to children in order to learn about living in God's kingdom, in order to learn about how to be God's children. We're invited to get on the floor. When's the last time any of us have done that? Yeah, I know. We're afraid we might not get up. We can't. Today we're getting on the floor to change our perspective to unlearn cultural commitments to greatness in order to understand God's definition of greatness. For the view from the floor is very different. From the floor, we're reminded that before we are anything else or have anything else, we are God's children. On the day that we're born, we're completely dependent on another person for protection, for food, for drink, even to be hummed softly to sleep. And even though Peter, said, Peter Pan says, never grow up, it's a trap, at some point we all do. We move from complete dependence on another to independence on our own. We begin with nothing, and yet we accumulate toys and skills and degrees and titles and bank accounts, we might even forget a few important things about being a child of God. We start repeating what the world tells us, that we're defined by personal achievements, by status, by possessions and positions of power. We might even believe that our self-worth is directly equated to our net worth. As children of God, we are fully dependent on God, and that's more than okay. We'll never grow out of our dependence on God. As God's children, we are loved by God before we do anything. 
In God's kingdom, the stuff, the titles, the bank accounts don't matter. In God's kingdom, we give up claims to power and status and independence. Instead, we aim for humility. That's what counts as greatness in the kingdom of God. So what else do we learn from the floor? I think the first thing we learn from children is to look up. There's a book I love called The World is Awake. And it reads, this is the day that the Lord has made. A butterfly floats through the sun and the shade. Just look at the sunrise that's painted the sky and look at the songbirds all starting to fly. The world is awake, it's a wonderful place, alive with God's power and glad with his grace. From butterflies and rainbows to the food on our table, the world is awake. Since becoming a mom, I realized that kids see this easier than we do as adults. Our two-year-old daughter, Christine, loses her mind over every single fly. When's the last time you got excited over a fly? I'm not exaggerating. She will grab her face and go, Mama, a fly! Children notice things. They have to look up all the time. They look up to adults. They look up to see what's on the table. They look up to just see things naturally. And in doing so, they see things that we miss. As adults, we are often looking down. Down at our phones, our schedules, our work. Down reading the news. Down at our feet as we scurry from place to place. And if we keep looking down, we will miss what God reveals. So friends, are you looking up? Are you looking to see how the world is awake? When you leave this place, just look at the creation. The colors of the cactus needles, there's multiple colors. I didn't know this. The Mexican bird of paradise, I'd never seen one before we moved here last month. It's beautiful. Look up, discover the beauty of God's creation and the reminders of God's presence that are everywhere. The second thing is to be a sponge. What do I mean by this? Children soak up everything, don't they? The good and the bad. They're constantly learning. They're trying new words, new foods, new skills. So should we. As Romans puts it, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So no matter if we're eight years old or 80 years old, God is inviting us to keep learning, to continually draw closer to Jesus through reading and studying God's word, continually learn how we can serve and worship the Lord. Now, Pitocle, I've only been here for three weeks, but I am amazed at how many opportunities you have to do that. You have opportunities to learn more about God's love and grace and justice and peace. Not sure where to start, just open the Common Life insert. Attend the 101 class on Sunday mornings. Join a Bible study or, or join one of the choirs. Learn how to lead worship. Learn about service through volunteering with the Andre House or as a youth group leader. Who hired her? I'm not doing that. The list goes on. Learn as much as you can, be a sponge. 
The next thing I want you to do is take a nap. I like her, she's back in the pulpit. Ask any parent or caretaker, do not mess with nap time, right? Things get ugly. Just as children need a break from the world, we too need to rest in God's presence. God actually designed each of us to rest. It's called the Sabbath. Sabbath is a day of the week, but it's more than that. You can take a Sabbath break daily through quiet time. Take time to pray either alone or ask a friend to join you. Maybe listen to worship music on a walk. Maybe you prefer quiet time with God in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. We each have our own preference. Personally, I prefer the early morning before I start my day. Find what it is, how you can rest daily. You can also rest weekly through worship like you are right here, or maybe through Pinnacle's prayer group on Wednesdays. There's so many opportunities to rest in his presence. Friends, I tell you, I promise you, it's so important. It will fill your cup. It will feed your soul. So take a nap. The fourth thing I want you to do is to play in the sandbox. That's a directive. Kids call it a play date. Teenagers might call it hanging out. In the church, we call it fellowship. It's living life with each other. As children of a triune God, we were not created to live life alone. But take note, this is not just spending time with those that we like or those like us. All God's children are invited. Jesus goes on to explain in verse 5, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This is neither the first time nor the last in Matthew's gospel that Jesus identifies with those who are powerless, needy, and marginal and says that our response to these people, in effect, is our response to Jesus himself. We get to invite others to the sandbox, especially those who don't often receive the invite, those on the margins, those who are powerless and needy, those without a voice, for they are children of God, just like us. They're completely dependent on God, just like us. And they're completely worthy of God's love without having worked for anything, just like us. And as we welcome all into fellowship, we are welcoming Jesus himself. So I want you to note that this is actually a twofold invitation. Just as I invite you personally to get involved with the community of faith here, whether it be in women's or men's fellowship, whether it be in service, or simply out to lunch with another person, you also get to extend that invite to someone else. So you're receiving an invite, and you're extending an invite. So let's try it out. If you're around on Sunday, I invite you to come to the Fall Roundup. And I invite you to bring a friend, bring a neighbor, invite someone new. What a great way to get to visit with one another. And what a welcoming way to introduce people to this community. Which leads me to my last point. 
show and tell. Kids love show and tell. They might forget their homework, but they will not forget the item that they get to bring for show and tell. They're so excited to share with their classmates. What if it were the same for us? As God's children, we have the best thing to share with others. The gospel, the good news, the good news of Jesus. This good news that God's kingdom is one where greatness is defined in a completely different way than we know it to be defined here. The vision of greatness in God's kingdom points to a child. It's a vision marked by vulnerability and powerlessness and lack of status. It's marked by the quest for humility rather than power. It's a vision of a community where God's children look up in wonder and awe at glimpses of God's presence from the greatest, tallest mountain to the most microscopic part of creation. It's a vision where God's children are sponges, continually learning how to worship and serve and love. It's a vision of care rather than competition. It's a people who know that it's okay to take a nap. It's people who know when to rest in God's presence and know when it's time to jump in the sandbox in the company of others. It's a vision of community that gives life to each other rather than tearing one another down. And it's a community whose savior himself humbled himself in becoming a child to show us how to be children of God and to show us how to be loved and how to love others. Church, that is a kingdom. That is a savior. And that is good news I'm excited to bring to show and tell. Amen.